for the first down and still on his feet. RG3 is going to outrace everybody. Roethlisberger looks, crosser, grab, he caught it, fights to the goal line, breaks the plane, touchdown Pittsburgh! That might win them the division! And the handoff to Tomlinson, left side, and he will gallop into the end zone! Charger fans are witnesses to history! Welcome in to the Blitz Podcast. We got some football to talk about, man, because we had a hell of a game last night. We're going to preview week two. Feels good to be back doing uh, two pods a week again, man. Feels back. Good to be back in routine. How we how we feeling, boys? Mitch, good to have you in here, man. Yeah, tight schedule, but I'm making it work. I'm trying to find my way in here. Our resident <laughs> uh, super injury expert is uh, actually doing important injury shit, you know? So, who would have thought? Yes, sir. <laughs> Tyler, how you doing, dude? <laughs> yeah, man, doing well, doing well. I doing a little late night on Friday night. Uh, so you know, if you're hopping in, coming home from uh, a little night out, or we're just getting ready to go night out, and you just wanted to ch- chime in and and uh, and check us out, that's great. We had a banger of a Thursday night game. It was a highly anticipated game. I felt like it did live up to the hype. Um, I felt like it might have been more just because you know going into this game two of the last four games went to overtime between these two teams and they're always great games um so yeah i mean we had a great thursday night game and got a very interesting week two slate coming up too that uh i'm I'm excited to dive into with you boys oh yeah man hell yeah we're all excited over here go ahead mitch i do have to add something though if you were about to go out to the bar this is the perfect pregame show i got a drinking game for you Every time we say hype, serviceable, dismal, great, expect big things, Th- abysmal, take a shot. Come yeah, on, dude. get ready for the I bars. Take... If you are going out at this time of night and you're pre-gaming, we are the perfect place. Fuck yeah, because get I like to say things <laughs> over like the same terms over and over again for sure. So like you'll probably be able to pick it up as you go on this episode. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna throw one more drinking uh, opportunity in there. Whenever Kane says, "All right." And you can drink at least three times on that one. So let's go. Boys. All right. Go. Get us started off. All right. Get us started off. Get that get that game cooking. But uh but yeah, we're fucking hyped to talk about some football. And like we said, hell of a game last night. And the Chiefs do come out on top at Arrowhead 27 to 24. Hell of a game, like we've mentioned. Uh, but we were talking about it earlier in the Blitz pod chat. I thought it was a really good, uh, interesting thing to throw out there, Tyler. Um, but we were talking about before the game even. Well, no, after the game. Like, wait, no, before the game, yesterday. We had, yeah, right before the game, Tyler throws in the chat, who does this game mean more to? Does it mean more to the Chiefs, trying to prove that they're still big brother? Or does it mean more to the Chargers, who are fine, just trying to get over that hump? of the Chiefs, you know, and didn't end up doing it. But we went back and forth on that. It was a really good debate. So, uh, Tyler, your question, man. You go ahead and lead it off. Yeah, I mean, I said I, I initially, and, and I still stick by this, I felt like that game meant more to the Chiefs. A, it's their home opener. B, they're home. And then C, there's been all these question marks about the Chiefs in the offseason. You know, are you know they lose Tyreek Hill. Are they – who, who who we think they are, or is Mahomes going to be able to overcome the loss of Tyreek Hill? And to be honest, I 
probably would say Herbert probably outplayed him a little bit. I mean, I know we'll get into some of the uh, nitty gritty stuff about the game, but there were at least two instances, maybe three instances that Mahomes could have been picked off that could have changed the entire trajectory of the game. So um, I felt like this game still meant more to the Chiefs. Everybody wants to say, oh, it might have meant more to the Chargers to get over that hump, but I still think the Chargers are in fine position as long as Jay Herbert is healthy. And, I mean, we might as well dive into that now. That's that's <laughs> the perfect segue, and we're about to turn it over to Mitch anyway. So, in case you didn't hear, Justin Herbert, one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now, has some fucked up ribs, dude. So, last night he got bopped, looking really rough coming out, and then you didn't know, we saw Chase Daniel take one play, Herbert comes back on, and then it's it, it was that third down play that really everybody was like, oh, and you, he could have basically walked for the first down, I mean, we've seen Justin Herbert do that a thousand times in his career, and already, and he just like, I mean, everybody, I just felt the pain. Yeah, like, but... Okay, okay, but here's here's my here's my big question because you, you see that on that third down play, but then you see it on the next play where he delivers an absolute strike to DeAndre Carter to set him up first and goal. So it's like, yeah, you were injured, but like, how injured? Like, how can you complete that pass and not be able to run for that first down? You or, want me to set it up for you? For first down. you Go me, ahead, man. You want me to set it up for you? It's because he was pump faking. That, that motion, they're in like this. It requires your oblique muscles. You have external and internal ones. They connect right to the cusp of cartilage, which is what he fractured. And doing that three or four times in a row, it'll make you writhe in pain if you have an injury there. That fracture was probably poking right into it, and it just hit right at the right moment. And he he pretty much went into a ball of pain at that point. He almost went to the ground, did whatever he could to just flick it. It was on that left side, so I believe... It was the internal obliques that was going on that. Just that motion of faking it, I think it was kind of poking right into the muscle. I thought maybe he just didn't want to, like, go outside the pocket and get drilled. Like, I mean, he was in, like, standing in the pocket and throwing is one thing, but, like, rolling outside the pocket with a chance to be drilled in the ribs when you like, fractured him, I mean, that's got to be a scary prospect. Uh, he, he had a cakewalk of two yards on that. Like, he could have gone without getting hit. It's just, I think he it He could have walked and then sat down. I think it hit him all at once. Like, oh, my God, this is, like, worst pain of my life. Even though he said he fractured his femur in high school. But, like, he didn't play through that, <laughs> obviously. He didn't try to push himself to do this motion four times in a row. And then just curl up in a ball. Almost. Fun fact, me and Justin Herbert have both fractured our uh, femurs. Wait, no. Is that what you said? Femur? I'm pretty sure it was yeah. his femur. Because like that's like the toughest bone to crack. And like, you know. yeah, weird, flex, weird flex. But okay. I just feel a connection to Justin Herbo all of a sudden. Awfully hard to walk yeah. on, man. But, um... I mean, I want to hear how quickly you think he's going to be back, Mitch. I mean, Brandon Staley came out today and said that it's a rib cartilage fracture and he could be at practice next. But does that mean he'll be in a game? Like, I, I don't know what necessarily that means. Uh, with the Chargers medical staff, apparently it could mean you miss a game if you're Tyrod Taylor. But if we have fired the person who punctured Tyrod Taylor's lung, it means he can play through it. <laughs> 
But yeah, and, and it's and, not and that Chase Daniel already. But I don't Chase think, Daniel. Chase Daniel earned his contract. Straight up bad contractor like, there, Chase Daniel. This one of the smartest men in all of football. I mean, the dude's made like over fifty million dollars, and he's done absolutely yeah. nothing in his career. But hey, kudos to him for backup quarterbacks, that bag. man. I'm telling Back you, they up. have it best until they, at one moment their <laughs> best starter gets injured. You show up for one game as a backup, you are set for life. <laughs> That's all it takes. Well, I mean, we saw on, on the other end, you know, with the Chiefs, we saw uh, was it Chad Henney, I think, come in during the the playoffs and was able to propel the Chiefs to that oh. win against the Browns. And he he like laid out for that first down. I remember it was like third and twelve, and he laid out and got. I think 11, and then they had the little quick pass to Tyreek to, to clinch the game. But, yeah, I mean, he, he came in and, and did what he had to do to get that win. I don't know if it was Chad Henney. It wasn't it was Henney. Whoever No, it was Henney. Is. It was Henney. Yeah. No, Henney. I don't think it was him. Yeah, it was. But then I also really like the last – the first name – I don't know why it's the first name. I mean, I guess it makes some kind of sense. But the backup quarterback to get major money after he showed out for one game – Matt Flynn. Matt Flynn. Matt Flynn. Yeah. Yeah, dude. That bag collector. Yeah. He got so much guaranteed out of that Absolutely. too. But that's back to back podcasts. We've mentioned Matt Flynn, which I, I would have never predicted would have happened. But we were talking about bad contracts because you brought up the DAT contract and I was like, Yeah, what about that Matt Flynn contract? I mean, if you're doing the but drinking yeah. game, finish your beer right now because we mentioned him in back-to-back and everybody so easily forgets about that just because russell like was drafted the same year and then just comes in comes the franchise quarterback unbelievable but anyway let's uh move off from the topic of matt flynn and let's talk about basically the game defining play last night and that was the 99 yard pick six from jalen watson who was subbing in for the injured trent mcduffie who once worked at a Wendy's at one point, not Trent McDuffie first rounder, but uh, Jalen Watson. Um, but yeah, that he turned 99 yard pick six after Gerald Everett gets the ball down there. He's so gassed. He's starting he, every time a football player, they put their hands up, they're waving, they want to come off the field, they need a breather just for one play. But they were running tempo, they kept him out on the field. And, I mean, Mitch, you broke it down uh, great earlier, man. I'll just let you take it away. Yeah, I mean, for the person at fault here, it's got to be Staley. Staley has to be the person aware of the field at all times. Check every player as they're moving downfield. He's the one trying to push the tempo, which, honestly, worked pretty well when they were getting those chunk plays. You just keep it going. You get another, like, little bit of yards at least. And then they get to the line. Everett's begging to be called out. Herbert is 100% taking the play call at that point. There's no way he's checking over to Everett because he has to listen to what's being said by the coordinators and stuff. And he just didn't catch it. Staley, whether it was Staley or Lombardi, someone just was not paying attention to the field at all and was trying to get a play call in. And then Herbert was not looking his way at first on Everett's pass. And that was definitely, I think it was intended to be a very short curl route. Because Herbert wasn't looking that way and throws it to where he should have been on a curl. And I don't think Everett had the gas in him to do a complete pivot at that point and just kind of fade it out. And Watson was right there. He would have been right behind his back if he ran a curl route. It would have been a yard or two pickup. It was the correct play to make on Herbert. 
and Everett was just dead after he absolutely was putting the team on his back the past two passes before that. I, it's hard to put it on anybody but the coaching staff for not being aware of their player condition on it's that. It's also, admit, that play alone makes it so hard to evaluate this game overall. Just because, like, I mean, it completely flipped. Like, I mean, it, it goes from the Chargers Dude, driving had... down at the one with the lead and then, like, completely swings. Like, it, it makes it so hard to evaluate crazy... to take anything from this game. It wasn't that much of a swing, in my opinion. It's just that Herbert ended up getting that fracture. Mahomes was honestly kept fairly in check because we kept pressure on him all night. The offensive line yeah. wasn't playing up to their par because they were probably a guaranteed top three offensive line coming into this year. And then you throw that pass rush at him. Mahomes was rushing every throw almost, and he just had a lot of safety net options on their routes because they don't have the Tyreek anymore where they're not expecting the deep ball except for MDS. There's one guy doing it. They kind of spread the playing field to better receivers, so there's going to be somebody open as long as you have three to four out there. Yeah, it was a tied game at that point, though. That's the big kicker is because, I mean, they're at least going to get three, more than likely seven there. And it was, I think, after the Chiefs, the Chiefs had kicked a field goal to tie it up. And then the on the, then the ensuing kickoff went out of bounds, which gave the Chargers – or no, no, it was a it was a touchback where the Chargers – or where the Chiefs got a, a personal foul penalty, which I was like, well, what Cook. are you doing? Cut Cook right now. That guy needs to go. I mean, he two had two terrible <laughs> on, on a fair catch and on a touchback. Like, what are you doing? But anyway, they gave the ball to the Chargers at the 40-yard line. They went right down the field after the Chiefs tied it up and had a chance, like I said, to take lead. And then not only that, but they ended up getting the pick six, which is – I mean, that's a that's a 14-point swing. I mean, whether or not you want to say it was, wasn't was that pivotal or not, it it, it was, it in my opinion, we the, were on the, the, two. the it, it was we the were deciding on the factor of the game. Yeah. Yeah. It was a guaranteed three points for us, no matter what, and turned into negative seven. The chart ten points went. I mean, which, football's a game least, of momentum. Which, which, too. I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll, the, the momentum was completely yeah, for sure. It, and I'll say this as a Chargers fan: not having Keenan next time you play them in in LA, I'd be very confident that that the Chargers will get that victory. I mean, I'm not going to say they will because it's the NFL, and both these yeah. teams are, are two of the top five, maybe two of the top three. Teams, I think they're both top five, guaranteed. Um, yeah. I, I, I'd say they're both top five. Um, but either, either way, you get them at home. I mean, that, that's almost a must-win now for the Chargers, but I'd be confident that they can get that win back at home. I like our schedule a little better than your guys'. Uh, well, half your guys' is your honorary because your of guys, location. What are you talking about? I ain't, location, I'm not a Location, fan. location, location. It's like straight-up real estate. You can go there. You have to somewhat sympathize them. There's a guy who just bought a Patrick <laughs> for sure, Mahomes for sure. I'm a I... cigar shirt. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes, yes. I will I will take the, the title of honorary Chiefs fan for the time being. I mean, honorary. hey, I, my, my boys, Minnesota Vikings, are looking good, but – over the past couple years, I've had to have another team to support. I mean, it, let's be real, because I was living. If you in can go to let's the be game honest, I had to have well. bridge teams around 2010. <laughs> around 2010, when we had the best offense and defense and didn't make the playoffs, I, I saw Marshawn Lynch. I'm like, boom, I'm gonna halfway root for the Seahawks. I need something to inspire me through the football season. I mean, after you go to that that Bills Chiefs game, it's like, how do I not support? 
this that team in a, in, in a little bit of the sense. Yeah. I mean, I, I got just it. as a fan of the fucking sport, you know, like if the stadium's that close, if the team's right. that good, you're going to go and then you're automatic. You're just naturally going to develop a little. So, but you, I mean, you seem to be the king of transitions today. Uh, you mentioned Mike will him stepping up uh, in Keenan's absence. And you got to feel great as a chargers fan seeing that again, consistently Mike will stepping in for Keenan and taking the job over. He has eight catches, 113 yards, and a tud in this game. Mitch, I want to ask you, man. They just gave Mike Will a contract. How much longer is Keenan the A1 in this offense? Because Mike Williams is so clearly not as effective when Keenan Allen is in the game. Like, it's not even close. But when Mike Will's the guy, he is a number one, top 10 overall NFL wide receiver. But, I mean, we saw it last night. I'm going to be we honest. We saw it last night. He was balling out. I, I think Mike Will picks and chooses. I think with his injury history, like, it's only a matter of time before he gets hurt, and he kind of knows that. He just knows he's fragile, and he, he only shows up for the big games. I mean, you look at, like, our lesser competition. I think he's why – well, not solely why. I think he's partially why we don't show up in the easy games because – the Chiefs games every year, except, well, he kind of showed up the last game we played and when we went to overtime and Kelsey ended up killing us. But he shows up for the Chiefs. He shows up for almost all of the big games, but Keenan is almost irreplaceable at this moment because he is pretty much a heart and soul of the team. He brings everything to the sideline. He's talking to everybody. He's breaking down routes to people. Like Josh Palmer was not known for his route running last year when he got drafted. This offseason, he said he literally watched Keenan's tape every day and texted him, was messaging him on what should I do if I see them like slightly facing this way. He was getting every breakdown he could. Palmer is not where you need to be to replace the type of player that Keenan is. We don't have that definitive route runner at this point. So I think Keenan can go a little longer. You look at guys like Larry Fitzgerald, though, where you're just like a pure tactician route runner, you can last until your mid-30s because Keenan's not known for his burner ability. Earlier in his career, he'd break off about a few 40 yards a year, just get a massive touchdown here and there. But he has adapted perfectly, and you can't teach that route running to a rookie coming out of the draft class or anything like that. So I... I really don't think that he's going to be replaced quite yet. I think we can get most of Mike Will's guaranteed money out of the way by next year. So I, as much as Mike Will comes up clutch in big games, I think he's more likely to get cut than Keenan because Keenan is just a locker room presence. Presence. If he's not that, that's all runner, he'll be in a couple a of years. Though presence. is a locker room presence. Like he's going to be old. He's over thirty the hill. right now. He's got at least three to four years of of time. like high tier play. The kind of play that you want for a quarterback in your prime, like Justin Herbert. Like I mean, I would want Mike Williams as my wide receiver one going forward, and it wouldn't. I get it. Like Keenan's a lock I for a hundred catches right now, but like I mean, in one to two years, it's. It's over, and this Chargers team is a win-now team, you know? So, like, not the Keenan's making – yeah, years. you got the two years. Not the Keenan's, like, a bad we got thing the two for the years roster, before you know? gets cut. I'm not trying to say that Keenan's, like, a bad thing yeah. to have for the roster right now, but as far as a – But he – Yeah, as far as a wide receiver you're committing to for Herbert, 
got to be Mike Will. Another uh, another Chiefs game that I was in attendance at was last year's Chiefs Chargers game, and you talk about Mike Williams and what he's done to the Chiefs. He had seven catches, one hundred and twenty-two yards, and two touchdowns in that game. He shows so up anytime they're in Arrowhead. Mike Williams definitely shows up. Oh my god! I was talking to one of my friends, and he wasn't going to start Mike Williams, and I was like, "Dude, oh, he oh, shows up for the I'm Chiefs." In a- I'm in a, I'm in an eight I'm in an eight man league. Uh, shout out to my boy Scott Sanfilippo. He uh, had Mike Williams and did not start Mike Williams against me. He started Adam Thielen instead, and I asked him, "Why are you starting Adam Thielen instead my of Mike God. Williams?" But oh hey, I'll, there's I'll, no I'll take way. It. I mean, if I'm going against him, oh, no, one of my no friends way. is swearing there's collusion in our eight man league because our commissioner is married to someone who was just a filler. And he said, I swore at kickoff. Mike Williams wasn't in. <laughs> they aren't going to watch this, I don't think. But if they watch, shout out to them. I'm going to cause some trauma in this group chat for the league. <laughs> Commish mixing it up. Uh, but yeah, Mike Will absolutely balled out. Um, but we got to talk a little bit about the guy feature and the moment featured in the graphic here, which was one of the best moments I've seen on a Thursday night game in a long time. I mean, Derwin James ended... Travis Kelsey's life. I mean, he picked him up by both of it. I mean, that's a full-grown Travis fucking Kelsey, dude. Like, he picked him up by both of his fucking knees, and you drill him into the ground. Dude, I haven't seen that since backyard football. Like, that's... that's tra- Since yeah. Ed Reed. I mean, look at that. Nice, nice flat. You should keep the James at the front, Mitch, honestly. Make it clear for everybody. <laughs> Mitch, Mitch, for our listeners, Mitch has just decided to put on his Derwin yes. James jersey. I had to. Mm-hmm. It was content related. For sure. The one thing I'm going to say is, and, and this is a trend that I think we're going to see this year, um, is Patrick Mahomes spreading the wealth. I think he completed a pass to one, two, eight. three, four, five, six, eight. seven, eight, nine, oh, nine receivers. Ten guys had targets, which is which, which begs this question. Which, outside of Travis Kelsey, I know that Juju's probably going to be the answer, but which receiver do you really want in fantasy for the Chiefs? Because if this is how it's going to be all year, you can't depend on Juju as your wide receiver two, which is probably where you drafted him, maybe wide receiver three. Um, so it depends on the you know, 8, 10, 12-man league. But if you're in a 12-man league, you probably drafted Juju as your wide receiver too. And you're not getting that production. And are you going to get that production this year? And I, I don't know if you're going to get it. One of these guys is going to have to step up. They're going to have to because MVS looks like garbage. Yeah, I mean, he's he rough. does not look good. He's a at deep all. ball guy. He, he had M- MVS's biggest contribution was the phantom illegal contact call where he actually threw the safety off don't of him and then me. got the illegal contact. Call. Once again, that's, that's one of those tra- Patrick Mahomes could have been picks. Three. He had three would have been picks. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, and that's one of that's one of them. <laughs> he literally thanked. He said after the game when he was doing the uh, prime review at the end, he said, "I'm thankful for three flags calling back ints I would have had." I was like, "Oh my god, please don't rub it in anymore." Those ints were on Mahomes. The other thing yeah, I'm go gonna say, two of them. It was the only the Chargers players say, in the area. Yeah. the The other thing I'm gonna say is. With this Chiefs offense, the one thing I've seen over the last two weeks is the resurgence CDH. of Clyde Edwards. God player. damn it. I wanted to say it. He Man. Is, 
who Kane just traded to me. Let's go. He is turning into a very reliable RB2, possibly RB1. I'm not going to give him that credit yet, but as of right now, if you drafted him as an RB2, you're you're very happy with the production that you've gotten from Mr. Edward Jelaire. I mean, he didn't have a touchdown, I don't think, in this game, but eight carries for 74 yards, and then you throw on top of that four catches for 44 yards. I know he had the one long run at the end, but still. Second, very second most catches on the team behind second Travis Kelsey. Very effective. Second though. most catches in the Right. So very, very effective from Edward Jelaire. And at, out of the entire Chiefs offense, obviously Mahomes is going to be there, and you're going to start him every week. But if there's a must-start on this offense outside of Mahomes and Kelsey, it's probably Clyde. I do think that – um. Juju will be a little better than this week because you're not going to face as many one, two, three punches like the Chargers. Like, you're not going to go up against. I mean, he JC. was triple teamed multiple times. Yeah. Juju was. You're not going to face that type of matchup every game. Like, you go to the Raiders and then you have pretty much Nate Hobbs to worry about and Rocky Sin, who I think Juju could probably beat enough compared to the other guys on the Chargers. Broncos, I just think there's more opportunities. Broncos have still got Sertain there, and and Sertain. they have just Sertain. I know, but like he's the only realistic one. And then Simmons is out for an extended period of time. Realistically, the AFC West, other than the Chargers, is going to be a crapshoot on shootouts. Like you are just hoping that they are open compared to the other cornerbacks that they're facing. I mean, I don't disagree. I mean, that's what we had that's what we perceive to be the image of the AFC West coming into this season was every game is going to be pretty much a shootout real quick. I want to throw this stat out when the total, and this is for all our, our listeners that are, are, are betters as well. When the total is 54 or more on a Thursday night, the under is now eight and O. So if you ever see a total of 54 or more on Thursday night, probably a good idea to go ahead and pound that under it's eight and oh i mean it is absolutely ridiculous and this is a game where you thought okay well if that streak's gonna yeah. be broken it's gonna be this game but nope the chiefs chargers i swear everybody gets so they gamble on their own play calls i i would not bet overs because people are gonna bet on their own fourth down their offense is gonna convert it and then it's going to be straight tempo after that if they get the momentum. Hey, like they're just going to also off. shout out to Brandon I'll Staley. Give you another uh, example. Shout out to Brandon Staley for not going on fourth down last night not at good. one point. Good job. He I trusted mean, he the defense a little better than ten people. Our defense last year had so many holes. You had Joey Bosa and Derwin James pretty much holding me on the entire defense. I wanted to mention. So I can. I want to mention. Right before we get off the Chargers defense, I mean, we mentioned Derwin James, but yeah. Asante Samuel looked so good last. He looks like the next lockdown corner. It, it's so clear he should be a cornerback and not a receiver, though, because he bobbled so yeah. many. But he was in the right place at the right time. He can read passes so well. I know Devontae cooked him a little bit last week, but he had his passes defended. He had a pick. He was somewhat making up for it. He was trying to be opportunistic against one of the craftiest receivers in the league, probably the craftiest. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, he had a chance at an, uh, a 99-yard pick six on the other end, you know, himself. He he had a chance for three yeah. picks. Yeah, and <laughs> realistically, you should have had that one where, I mean, they said it wasn't a catch. Where yeah, the... And it, it, 
the back end of the ball okay. hit. I mean, you watch it in slow-mo. It's a judgment call. It looked stable to me. I'm a Chargers fan. I'm a little biased. I'll leave it up to you guys. But it looked like he kind of had it in possession, and then the fact that it even touched the turf I, was enough for them to say. I no. understand the call from, like, the way calls are made. Like, I understand that. But, yeah. like, I mean, looking at it just as, like, just unbiased without thinking about it, like, dude, if the ground's not there, he's catching it. Like, the ground just got in the way of him trying to make that play. You know, yeah. like he was, it's, it's not like he was using it to help him. It was only fucking hurting him. He was the, the ground being was close there. was the only <laughs> reason, you know, so anything else on uh chargers chiefs, you guys want to get off your chest before uh, we move on to our nice little fantasy ranking segment? I do have to say it probably meant a lot more to the chiefs because we came in without Keenan. Like Tyler said, if you come in with Keenan, after watching that game, you feel so much more confident because Josh Palmer, he just seemed out of sync almost on some of those passes right out of the break. He wasn't expecting the ball like he should have been. Like early on in the game, there should have been a lot more first downs picked up in that first half. It probably should have been closer to 20-3. to Well, no, it does the Raiders game. It should have been a lot more spread out because – he was just letting some easy passes with, like easy routes, curls, out routes. He just seemed out of sync, was not ready for the breaking route, which I guess comes with playing time. And it is his second year. He hasn't been asked to do a lot because of Mike Williams and Keenan Allen ahead of him. Probably one of the better one-two punches in the league. I mean, we all knew about this Chargers pass rush. I'm just excited about how the Chargers secondary last night. Because they, I mean, this defense looks Super Bowl ready. We knew this offense has been Super Bowl ready. But Chargers are here, man. I do. We were out on JT Woods was out. I think if he had been in instead of Nas Adderley on that play that went for 40 yards, JT Woods is purely coverage. It's safety. He would have been way more aware. But you pay JC Jack and you expect him to make that play. For sure. All right. Oh, somebody's taking a shot. Somebody's taking a shot. Uh, let's move on to the next segment that we got, and it's a little bit of a new one. Uh, so now every week, um, we're going to take turns on a position group, each of us from the Blitz pod. Uh, four position groups will be using the classics, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. And for those four position groups, we're each going to give you, for quarterbacks, 15, for running back and wide receivers, 30, and then tight ends, 15 as well. We're going to give you our rankings for this coming week. So instead of season long, um, we kind of mess around with that idea a little bit, but we're going to give you week-by-week rankings, and we're going to rotate every week per BlitzPod members, so we'll each have a chance to grade the different position groups. But I'm excited for this one. Didn't really have a whole ton of time to throw a really sexy graphic together, so you're not going to be able to see it really, but um, it's there. It's theirs. There's 30 names on there, and then you could see Tyler's too. So our heart. Was I in mean, it. my heart was in it. We my heart up. was in it. We had yeah, to do it. You know. So without without further this was ado, an idea of yesterday. without further ado, this was a yesterday yesterday idea. We didn't have a lot of time to put it together. We are do- doing it for you guys. Just listen. this this shows you <laughs> we're debuting right. it this week, and we're and we're gonna w- work out the kinks yes. next week, and then from now on as well. But this will be kind of a a weekly thing. Um, I know we always like to give our starts and sits, but you know, I feel like the, the two Rankings things that are better. 
Yeah, and, and I feel like the two things people really take away from our podcast are fantasy rankings, obviously well, three things, fantasy rankings, obviously some insight on the games, but then also a betting analysis too. I would say those are the three things that, that we really get um, our listeners to buy yeah, in on. for sure. So might as well feed that and give the people what they want. So without further ado, this is week two, fantasy rankings for quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receivers. Tyler, first on the docking man uh, with A1 at the quarterback position. So uh, how about you take it away, boss? Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to discuss all of them. Um, I'm going to hit on some hard-hitting ones. I've got what we also are going to do is we're not taking into account the Thursday night games. So, yeah, you know, Josh, Allen, I mean, uh, Justin Herbert and Mahomes are not going to be involved in this. Mike Williams, Travis Kelsey aren't going to be involved in this. So take that into account when we're going through our rankings for the week. Um, Josh Allen, number one, I think this might be an every week thing for Josh Allen. I mean, this guy has the rushing ability. He's got an absolutely star studded receiving core with Diggs, Gabe Davis, throwing Crowder and McKenzie. You've got Dawson Knox there too. Um, I, I think Josh Allen is going to be probably number one every week when it comes to quarterbacks. Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Rodgers, and Jalen Hurts I've got finishing out the top five. I do have Trey Lance at number eight. I think that's something to watch this week. I think this is going to be the week where we really see who Trey Lance is. I think it's going to be all positives. I think we're going to see that this is why the 49ers drafted him third overall, because they expect him to perform to the top of his ability. And we we've all discussed it as, you know, coming into this season, maybe a dark horse MVP candidate. So if, if he's got that ability, this is the week where he's got to show out and he's got to really ball out. I've got Brady one ahead of him at seven. I think the Saints defense is really good. And I think no Godwin. Julio's been on the injury report. Russell Gage has been on the injury report. Donovan Smith is now out. I mean, these are a lot of injuries right now. We'll see what Brady can do. I mean, every time you doubt Brady, he ends up doing something remarkable. So we'll see. And I know we'll hop into how he's fared against the Saints as well um, since he's been with Tampa. But I have him a little bit lower than, than where people would normally rank him in, in a typical week. Um, Burrow at nine. I've got Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins at 11 and 12. And then I've got Carson Wentz. I think that, you know, this Philadelphia showed the cracks in this Detroit defense, albeit without Devontae Smith, because I don't know if he showed up to the game or what happened there. <laughs> Jeff Okuda, maybe he's the second coming of Darrell Revis. Who knows? Um, but I have Carson Wentz at 13. He showed me some stuff last week. And here's an interesting little tidbit for you. Here's an interesting little betting nugget. Carson Wentz is... Ready for this? Let me pull this up real quick. 5-0 and against the spread in his last five games as a road Did under. I just hear somebody? I love the fact that we have pro Wentz talk on this fucking podcast. Finally. Did I hear from the from the mouths of babes, dude? Like, I cannot believe it. I'm shocked. I'm so happy right now. now hey, anyway. calm, your horses. I've, calm your horses. I've still got him ranked at 13. So if you're in a 12-man league, you're probably not going to be starting him. If you're in a two-quarterback league, I think he's a very good QB2 option, though. Absolutely. But uh, at 14, I have – excuse me, Tua. I know Tua had a great week last week against the Patriots um, and Mike McDaniel. Maybe he's the next Sean McVay. Who knows? It's one game. I'm not going to freak out too much. Um, but I've got him at 14. The Ravens are going to be honoring – uh, Ferguson, who passed away this past offseason, and they're going to be honoring Tony Saragusa, who, if you're not familiar with him, he was a very vital part 
of their defense and, and on that defensive line when they won the Super Bowl back in 2000. That Baltimore crowd is going to be electric and hype drink. And not only that, M&T place to play oh, yeah. in, in the entire country when it comes to opposing teams going into M&T. So I think two is going to have a pretty, pretty yeah. tough time. But yeah, like I said, I had I had Jared Goff at 15, and I'll pass it over to you guys. Um, you know, I want to hear if you guys got anybody that you think should be higher or anybody that you guys think should be lower. Yeah, Mitch, take it away, man. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if the cutout happened before this, I will reiterate it, but I think Tua Tagovailoa might actually have a great week because Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, and Brandon Stevens are all – somewhat question marks to even play this week for the Ravens, let alone Fuller tearing his ACL last week. That secondary, which was probably the deepest cornerback room in the league just last week, seems to have found the injury bug yet again, and they now have to guard Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill. I just think that backups coming in on their first week are not going to be able to guard those two, let alone Mike Gusecki or the running backs. Gusecki's done nothing, though. I mean, he was he was barely lining up. He was barely on the He had one catch. Uh, but if he's wide-ass open, someone's bound to be slipping through the cracks of that defense because there's no way guys in their first start ever are going to be able to keep up with it. But I, I like the Trey Lance pick at eight. He's a sneaky one. If you're feeling frisky, you can put him a lot higher. But after the last week, no one really is. But I, I think Seattle might be deceiving people right now because they're playing the quarterback they've had for the last freaking decade. There was a video that went out of Tyler Lockett literally giving out the hand signals of Russ. He said, this is a go route. And he shout, he was telling the defense that he literally, it was, um, Tariq Woolen. He told Tariq Woolen, you see him do this to go route. They literally knew what he was going to be doing because anytime he has to make an audible, they know what it's going to be because Russ did not change anything. Nope. Uh, my thoughts on your list, Tyler. Um, personally, I'd put Brady a little lower. Um, I know you said like usually on a Brady week, he'd be higher. Honestly, I think this year he's going to be right around the seven to eight range for me, like towards the bottom half of the top 10 for sure every single week. And then this week, I mean, I'd put guys like I'd start with Derek Carr. I'd put Derek Carr ahead of Brady this week. I mean, you're playing a Cardinals defense that just let up five tuds to the Mahomes. You know, like I like that a lot for Carr. Um, might put Stafford. I'm. I'd put Burrow over Brady, but Brady that high for me. It just scared because I mean, I did all the. I did a little research on the. Uh, I mean, obviously, fucking he struggles against the Saints, and I mean, I'll throw the stats out later. But it just as I looked at him again, and I, and was I think like, that that's Phew, that is just fucking horrendous. And, and I think that's why I might have had him where I had him is because, you know, Tom Brady listens to that shit. You know, he that he, anything he can get to motivate him and fuel him at the age of what is he, 44, 45 years old right now? Anything now and anything he can get to motivate him. He's going to use if he's hearing all this stuff in the media and we'll, we'll get into his record against the Saints in a little while. But if he's hearing this stuff, that's why I still think he's going to produce. I could still see 250 two maybe three touchdowns in this game also like he's doing he's going through all this shit with Giselle right now who just came out and spoke for the first time forever like I mean he's Brady's got a lot of shit going on right now so I mean if we get a divorce Brady it's oh my over God. the league he is taking it Jesus out on Christ. everyone he's gonna own every team <laughs> in the 
it's it's gonna be Monopoly. But yeah, solid list of QBs there. You got Tyler. So um, let's move into Mitchell's running backs top thirty, and we know you. We know you can see those, obviously, all 30. We know you can see it, yeah, but we're only going to go over the heavy hitter. So, without further ado, go for I'm it. Gonna announce, <laughs> I'm going to announce some few big ones. Obviously, after last week, in a tying effort, Jonathan Taylor still ran for 160 yards. So, he is by far and away about the safest pick you can have at running back. So, he is staying at number one. But I snuck... Saquon Barkley in to the top three after watching what Cleveland pretty much did whatever they wanted on the ground against the Panthers last week I think Saquon's due for pretty much a repeat of last week and it's impressive one of my sneakier top 10 picks Kane you'll like this one my uh start of the week Antonio Gibson love it there we go I mean the Eagles just did whatever the hell they wanted on the ground last week. They had four people get a rushing touchdown. Four different people. If Gibson can't get in the end zone, then you should cut him right then and there. Brian Robinson finally starting to do cuts. Throw him in there at half speed before you put Antonio Gibson back out there. And maybe one of my... I had a, two more hits I want to go on. Jones, I'm not as high on for this game against the Bears. Because he is a little more the receiving back, and I think the linebackers of the Bears are good enough to actually defend him on the passing routes. And I think Dylan is probably a little more likely to do the punch-in work on the goal line. I think he has more touchdown upside. That's why I put him a little above. And then my last one that I truly want to touch, Travis Etienne. He had three touchdown opportunities. First one, he got whiffed on the touchdown. Second one, he dropped. Another one, he dropped. He's getting the red zone looks. And without Shaquille Leonard, a.k.a. Darius Leonard, for people who haven't been keeping up with the name change there, well, not name change, but preferred name, without that linebacker there, they still have a very good front line in Indy, but I don't trust the linebackers to be able to cover the likes of Travis Etienne. So I think there's going to be a weak spot there. And ETN could be a PPR menace, while James Robinson can be slightly ineffective in comparison. One one thing I will say, you have Kamara at 14, and I, I question, is that because of the injury to the ribs, or is that because of the Bucks, or is that because of his yeah, production last week? The, what's what's the, the pro- gotta process be the production there? last week. It's a little it's a little bit of mix because that Bucks front seven is lethal. I don't think he can – there's no pathway in my mind of him scoring over 20, even if healthy. But that injury bug attached to it, he is touchdown dependent this week. Fair enough. The other one I'm going to say – the other one that I think that you have too low, in my opinion, is Nick Chubb. And I wasn't a a huge Nick Chubb believer coming into this season. But one thing we've noticed with fantasy and with the NFL is a lot of it is dictated off of game script. And it's presumed that the Browns are going to be up in this game against the Jets, which in my opinion means more for Nick Chubb, less for Kareem Hunt. I personally think Nick Chubb is a top eight, maybe even top five running back this week just because of the game script and because of what he's going to have, what opportunity he's going to have this week. So I'm interested to hear I can get with that. that. 
like I mean I'll throw my thoughts on it real quick. I mean I can get with that, but Kareem Hunt Go had ahead. a really good week last week. Right, but it's, do you think Kareem like, Hunt's going to duplicate? I don't that? think he'll duplicate and, and, and it, Nick but I think he's just going to adjust as much work every week. I mean it's going to be Kareem Hunt in the pass game, Nick Chubb in the run game. But I mean with your point, I mean it makes sense. They're going to be behind. Chubb's going to be running. Sure. The other guy. And I'll let Mitch. I'll let Mitch hit his point real quick before I uh, before I give one more take uh, from yeah, the, from the rankings. My worry about that was it's such an obvious game plan though. Like to touch back on game plan, do you actually think Jacoby Brissett is going to throw to just Amari Cooper, who's going to be locked up by Sauce Gardner? That front seven is going to be loaded. Like they're probably going to throw eight man boxes against them, honestly. Because it's so obvious that they're running almost every play. They have Amari Cooper. They have Donovan's People Jones. They have David Njoku. And almost pretty much all of them put up just shit numbers last week. They couldn't find anything. They had, yeah, Schwartz got a wide receiver reverse. And that's about as effective as he got. But it's so clear right now that they're running. I feel like Kareem Hunt if he leaks out on, like, a play action, he can sneak out a few things. But they're not looking to chub on those pass routes on play actions. I'm just kind of worried that it's such an obvious game plan that they're going to compensate so much for the run game. Yeah, but at the same time, I feel like no matter what the game plan is, if you're you're up, the game script's going to dictate that. And once again, back to... um, I think we're talking about the opportunities that are going to be there. I, I I just see so many opportunities for Nick Chubb either to get in the end zone or to rack up yards. I mean, 20 to 25 carries is not out of the realm, in my opinion, in this game for Nick Chubb. Fair enough. Oh, yeah. It'll be in the realm of possibility pretty easily. The last one that I have a little bit of a remark on is I have this guy in my top 10, and then you don't even have his. I have a heated debate on this one because I've got to take top a piss. 30. And you don't even have this guy in the top 30. And the guy that I have in the top 10 is, in my opinion, the starter there. And that's Darrell Henderson. I, I think that, once again, game script. The Rams are playing the Falcons. You presume they're going to be up in this game. They're probably going to be running the ball with Henderson. And if you don't believe in Cam Akers, which he's not yeah. in your top 30, so, so clearly you're not a believer. I'm not a believer in him. Why is Darrell Henderson ranked at 16 when I, I think this guy is a top 10 back this week? I, I just kind of put the asterisk on it. It's week one hype. I didn't. I honestly think he has an outlet to score like twenty five. Like what I'm if saying. they are just pounding on him, but I I kind of was hesitant because I don't want to pound on the week one hype drum there. Drink, <laughs> but uh, Let's take a sip. Henderson seems like the number one guy for sure. Honestly, I looked at a lot of lists. I was kind of comparing, like, trying to match my guys of how I think the game plans are going to go. I wanted to put him above the likes of, like, Kamara and Chubb. Josh Jacobs. The name, the name value. Josh Jacobs is going to eat. If J.J. Watt's out, there is nothing on that front line. <laughs> see, I would say Henderson's going to have a better game than Jacobs, but... That's what I want to talk we'll, about. We'll see. Overall, overall... That's I, what I, I want to talk about. Why are we really? Is it that time to knock Cam Akers out of the top thirty after week one? That's it. Giving up? Yeah, he couldn't block. He couldn't run. He had one good play that he took for no yards. I mean, I can't. 
and it wasn't even counted. It's just as like a catch. so hard. Like I, I don't know if I drop him out of my top thirty just yet, just because of the preseason hype involved, dude. Like, I mean, Pre- preseason, he sucked. no, the uh, <laughs> he did nothing. I mean, the pre like game. preseason, like draft season, like I mean, the hype going in on Cam Akers yeah. being the RB one, electric, still in his prime, yada yada yada, like. I'm not willing to give up on all the hype that ESPN gave Cam Akers just yet. You know, like, it was funny because ESPN was literally the only service that was, like, so high on Cam Akers. And it's funny that they're fucked now. Um, but, yeah, that's, I, I don't know if I'm ready to drop Akers completely out of the top 30. He's still dynamic, has the ability, potential to be dynamic. We just haven't seen it this year or since he's came came back from that Achilles injury. Also... Yeah, I also have one other one other question is in regards with with Seattle. Is Kenneth Walker back this week? I I've read some stuff that yes. I believe he is going to be back this week, and I know you have Penny at twenty nine, just cracking the top thirty. Who do you think legitimately? Who do you think? Excuse me. Who do you think has the better game, Penny or Walker? Got to be Penny. In that game against the Forty ers that's the question. I think that they are going to slowly work Walker back in because he has missed a month. I'm not confident in either to actually produce against the 49ers, which is why I have Penny so low. But I think Penny's going to get more of the work as Walker kind of finds his stride back in the offense as he's missed this much time. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, honestly, that's my bad because I was on mute uh, when I said we were back live. So that's just bad uh, pod member etiquette for me, dude. But um, but yeah, let's move on uh, to my wide receivers now, shall we? I'm kind of excited to unload my first rankings of the year, bro. It'll be a good time. But all right, I've got 30 here, but just as the other dudes did, I'm just going to list off some of the uh, the heavy hitters. Um, At number one, I have J-Jeff coming in, playing the Eagles this week. And I know there might be some better matchups with Cooper Cup. Monte Adams, uh, even maybe Jamar Chase. But I think Justin Jefferson after last week has locked himself in for me personally as, unless it's a terrible, terrible matchup, the best wide receiver in fantasy week in and week out. So going down to number four, we got Debo Samuel coming in. Um, first first week with a real Trey Lance, um, not the mud bowl. They'll actually be throwing the football in this game. And Debo... We learned that he's still going to be the wide back. He's still going to be primarily, not primarily, but he's going to be featured heavily in that wide back role, as we saw in the Chicago game. He's still a dog, so I put him at four. Um, I got Michael Pittman Jr. coming in at six, which is pretty high. Um, he is questionable for this game, so obviously don't start him if he's not going to play, but if he's going to play, dude, yeah. I mean, this guy really looked like what he was built up to be. In week one, like he is the target in Indianapolis, and he is the guy catching the football from Matt Ryan. The singular, that's it, and no Pierce this week, so it really is just gonna be Michael Pittman. Don't have really too bad of a matchup with Jacksonville. I mean, Terry burned him in the soft cover too, all all game last game, even though didn't really get the ball. He was open most of the game, but didn't really get the ball. I digress. Um, but yeah, I love Michael Pittman this week, putting him at six. Um, I put Tyreek Hill at nine. Uh, that's lower than a lot of people. Um, I just we have learned after week one. I mean, there's a lot of football to be left to play, but 
it's a two wide receiver system pretty obviously in Miami and Tyreek has never really been in like a two wide receiver system where it's not a tight end taking all of his catches you know it's like it's the other wide the other side of the field you know the wide receivers actually taking catches from him so it's not going to be as a featured Tyreek Hill that we've seen in the past going up against a Baltimore defense that is some studs and have some studs so yeah, putting Tyreek at nine lower than the rest of the gang. Um, Deontay Johnson, 11. He's playing New England. New England looked dog shit last week. And Deontay Johnson, it was thought that George Pickens might even be the number one receiver this year over all the wide receivers that the Steelers have already. But reality has been restored. Deontay Johnson looked like the wide receiver one last week. And if he can continue, I mean, he's been that in Pittsburgh for three or four years now. Why can't he keep it up? with Mitchell Trubisky. Um, coming at 13, higher than most people, I got Gabe Davis playing Tennessee this week. Um, he had an awesome game, um, despite Stephon Diggs having a really nice game for himself as well last week on Thursday football. So I think going into this year, we thought Jamar Chase and T. Higgins was going to be the wide receiver duo that maybe both end up in the top 10, but I think it might be Gabe Davis and Stephon ending up in the top 10 this year as a wide receiver duo. Um, going down the list farther, I got Mike Evans at 17, which is lower than most people just because the Marshawn Lattimore matchup does not bode well for Mike Evans. Um, also got CD lower than most people. He is the option for the Cowboys offense right now. I mean, he got double digit targets, but only two catches last week. So they're trying to get him the ball. It's just like, I love the, I love the targets, but if you can't actually end up with the ball in your hands, I mean, that's a problem. Uh, going down the list, I got Jalen Waddle at 21. Um, he really looks like he's going to thrive. I thought Tyreek was going to take a lot away from Jalen Waddle this year, but it looks like both of them will be able to have fantasy success. Um, I've got Amon Ross St. Brown coming in at 24, lower than most people, just because, I mean, he was a wide receiver one last year when he was like, when they desperately needed a wide receiver one to come out of the woodwork, and he did. Um, but they paid DJ Chark. He had a really nice game. Um, in week one so I think St. Brown this year definitely not the capital where you drafted him at in my opinion um, then Rashad Bateman he had a really good game last week I put him at 27 uh, 28 I've got Robbie Anderson who seems to be Baker Mayfield's number one guy um, which is kind of surprising given DJ Moore still exists um, but we'll keep posted on that situation and yeah that rounds out my top 30 wide receivers for week two boys Hit me with uh, hit me with some criticisms. No, no Julio, no Russell Gates. No, yeah, no. One of them's one of them's going to have a big game. One of them's going to have to have a big game for the Bucks. If 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 you've got Mike Evans that low, which he probably Marshall should be that lower. <laughs> I, I I agree because we, we I mean we've seen what happens when those two face off against each other. If that's the case, one of those other guys is going to have to step up because. Fournette's just not going to be able to just carry this team to a victory. And if Brady's going to have I know one, two, maybe three. Yeah, well, it's, it's got to go. I mean, I'll, I'll spoil a little stat I was going to give earlier. In two of the last four meetings, bro, they've scored less than three points. So it's like, I mean, that's not fantasy production out the wazoo right there, bro. Nobody's getting a fucking touchdown. So I'm not feeling good about anybody catching passes for me personally. Also, also, we talk about... You know, I know you mentioned Diggs and Gabe Davis being, they might end up being, like you said, the best duo in football. 
One duo nobody's really talking about, in my opinion, is Tyreek and Jalen Waddle. And maybe it's because Tua is there and, and that yeah. knocks him down a little bit. But like, I mean, they're right up there. And and I wanted to get into kind of a debate with Mitch in regards to who's the better duo. Realistically, who is the better duo? Jamar Chase and T. Higgins or Keenan Allen and Mike Williams? It depends on who you're playing because Mike picks and chooses who he's going with. Also, how you wording the question? Is it like the wide receiver? Because I'm wording the right question now? as to who has like who, money on like right line, now. Who do I want? Which quarterback okay. has the better card? Yeah, right now, right now. I'm not looking at okay. oh, maybe in five years or even two or three years, Jamar Chase might be the best receiver in football. I'm saying right now, who is the best receiver? Because I want to get Jamar's. into this debate with you about who has the better targets, Herbert or Burrow. Jamar is the definitive top five guy, and you can't replace that he already had chemistry with him. I I want to say Keenan and Mike so bad, but there's it's probably a little bit Jamar. Jamar just produces something. He is the it factor, which yeah, neither I, of them I have. I mean, we saw it. We saw it last week when T Higgins went out. I mean, he flipped off Minko on that what was supposed to be game winning touchdown, and then it got blocked. Like that. I think Jamar is going to end up. It's going to be him and Jay Jettas side by side their entire career. Unfortunately, sweet. I mean, I, I mean, I I like hearing that. Obviously, um, yeah. I don't know. I I I think the rankings are solid. I I'm still an Amon Ra believer. I, don't I I think that who's Washington slot corner DJ, by the way. Should be yeah, it should be Willie Jackson. Should be Willie Jackson. Oh, he's gonna get cooked. He's gonna get cooked. I mean, <laughs> top twenty. I I I really like Amon Ra. I think that he's I I in my opinion he's a top fifteen receiver this week. No offense, and maybe there's some bias there yeah, because yeah, yeah. obviously you're a Washington Redskins fan. But I agree with Amon Ra. Like he should be top twenty at this point. He finds his way into a defense. He found his role. Him and Goff got that connection late last season. I think it was kind of just building chemistry and just took time. And now he is his safety net. And another guy, I, looking at the Ravens, granted, we probably made these before we could see like final injury reports and stuff like that. If the Ravens are missing as many corners as I think they're going to miss, they're going to like triple or double team Tyreek. And I think Waddle's going to slip through the cracks and he could very easily be a top 10 receiver just because they are paying so much attention to Tyreek as the game breaker. He is just off the top of my head, dude. Like I like Waddle better than Tyreek just in like this year. I like him better. Like in he, fantasy, he's a better route. Runner. He can do more. Yeah. Better route runner. He's going to get, he, he can do more. Where did you have one one guy? I don't know if you. I don't think you named him, but is he in your rankings? Hunter Renfro he is, is he there now? And that's one question that I have because no matter how bad we think this Cardinals defense is, they're going to do everything they can to stop Devontae, which is going to leave Renfro open. Which is why I think Renfro could be a top twenty receiver this week. I, I he did not have the week that. You know, he, he had last year. He had a killer year last year, and, and last week he did not. Yeah, last week, last week he didn't have a good week. But I think this is a very good bounce back spot for him, and I could see him in that 15, 16 point range when it's all said and done after this week against that poor. There's a Cardinals chance. Defense. It just scares me with like 
when a new offense gets new pieces, uh, I like to take a couple weeks. Like, I mean, I really, well, I take a lot of stock in week one and what the game plan looks like, obviously. And yeah. we all do because yeah, that's all we have exactly. to do. Exactly. So yeah. doing that, we have no other doing baseline. That, especially with, especially with nowadays with so many guys just not avoiding the preseason, not even playing in the preseason anymore. All we have to go off of is what we saw in week one. We can't go off of, okay, well, this is what we saw in preseason. So maybe it'll come around. Most of these guys aren't even right. playing. And Renfro was like undoubtedly wide receiver one last year. And it was kind of like the same situation that I was talking about earlier with Amonra. Like you were, I like Hunter Renfro is really good. Like obviously if Derwin James thinks he's a top five receiver in the NFL, obviously he's pretty fucking good. But like, he was just kind of pigeonholed in that position. Like, he was kind of forced to make Hunter Renfro a wide receiver one last year. But now you have Devontae Adams. And I think Waller is still, like, last year, Waller was getting all the attention. Yeah, so, like, I, I think I Waller is still that yeah. number two option. So, now that you have a Devontae Adams taking the attention, I think Waller steps up. I don't think it's Renfro. I might be on a different page here because I think that the only reason Waller looked great was that he was the wide receiver one two years ago because Renfro hadn't really played the NFL, and then Renfro became the number one because they had a horrible offensive line, and he's the first option. And now that Devontae's in town, yeah, which who's deep threat only, was deep threat only. And now that Devontae's in town, I I think that, oh my God, it should be Renfro getting more looks. But Carr is just so set on getting his guy the looks and Adam that it's going to be a fault for him. I mean, like, uh, we have more of a consistency with Waller than we do Renfro. Like, I mean, Renfro had a really good year last year. Don't get me wrong. But Renfro's open so much. Safe. He didn't start looking to him until we started paying attention to him. And he got undercut on routes and stuff. Renfro's not a deep guy. He is a short route specialist. And Carr was just... For some reason, not even considering yeah. short route. Last guy. Oh yeah, go the ahead. The other guy. The other. I was gonna say one of the or two other guys that I do have question about. Number one. I was Christian just Kirk. about to say. Where is I was just ranked? about to say he's ranked at twenty, dude. I love Christian Kirk this week. I love him season long. He's uh, I, he's gonna be. I mean, we were just talking about quarterbacks who were forced to make wide receivers into a wide receiver one. That's exactly what's gonna happen on Christian Kirk this yeah. year. And they paid him as a wide receiver one, so hopefully that Good will God. come to fruition for them. Um, the other guy that I did have a question about, that or two other guys I did I had a question about, mm-hmm. Hollywood Brown and Mike Thomas. Where were so they I've got uh, Hollywood I, a little higher at uh, than most people at 16. And then I've got Michael Thomas at like 22 that. this week. See, I think Michael Thomas, I think he's turning into – what Michael Thomas was of a couple yeah. of years ago. I'm not saying he's yeah. back to that form yet, but like that famous is going those to get two his touchdowns. Guy the ball. I mean, and, saved and, Michael Thomas's day against AJ Terrell too. Like AJ Terrell is no joke. But my point is like, I mean, that was a touchdown dependent performance. Last year, you know, so sure. Against but at the same time, he, he, whenever they got into the red zone, Jameis is like, all right, who am I going to go to? I know who I got to go to. I know who I got to get the ball to. I know who's going to catch the ball, and that is Mike Thomas. So you, as much as you want to say it's a touchdown-dependent performance, I can say the same thing about Rashad Bateman. He would have been nothing without the one touchdown that he had last week. Could almost make the argument for Gabe Davis. I know he had 88 yards. Yeah, and but Bateman also had a decent a pretty big touchdown. A big touchdown. Don't, like, Bateman had a big touchdown. But right. yeah, it, Thomas came right up and gets a cola. <laughs> I, I just think – 
and, and if it's not Mike Thomas and you have Mike Thomas at low, where's Jarvis Landry? Dude, Jarvis, like, mm, I'm not ready to buy in on Jarvis yet. I, we'll talk about. See, I am. I think he's a safe PPR guy. I think I think he's a top 25 guy in my opinion. Olave is gonna Olave is gonna keep getting better, and I eventually Olave is gonna be a midseason guy. Like right, exactly. You have to build chemistry. You aren't accustomed to an NFL offense yet. It takes a little bit of leeway, like just getting used to the logistics and preparation and everything before you can actually be effective. And not only that, but like this is a guy that he's coming home. Like he came home and he's playing in his yeah. first home game and legit home game. He's from Louisiana. He went to LSU. Like this is a guy that I think needed a new situation and he got it and he's thriving. And maybe he's kind of like what we talked about with Larry Fitzgerald. Maybe he's that guy that just plays till he's 34, 35, 36 years old. And he just continues to put up the numbers. Cause we saw it last week and albeit against a, a pretty porous Falcon secondary outside of AJ Terrell. But still, Casey I gotta Hayward like. Too. Yeah, and Casey Hayward is there. I forgot about that. Yeah, so I, I really like what I saw from Jarvis Landry. That I think he's worthy of a, of a top twenty five yeah. start this year. Yeah, I mean, and I think year. I'm like subconsciously taking a lot of stock more in how bad Baker was than how like bad Jarvis was. You know, like just Baker just couldn't get him yeah. a ball. So it's like I have this thought that Jarvis. Yeah, nobody is wanted just, to rank Odell. Yeah, high exactly. But if you end up in a new situation, I just need to come to that realization. The other, the other one that, real quick, last one that I'll touch on on this is uh, Allen Robinson. No, Allen Robinson I do. in the top 30. He made it in at 29, barely squeaks, barely squeaks. I'm... If, he's going, if, he's, if, if he's going to do something, and once again, back to this Falcons defense, A.J. Terrell's probably going to be on him because Cooper Cup's probably going to be in the slot more. But if he's going to do something, I mean, this is it. You, you've, you've got to produce because if you put up goose eggs back to back weeks, dead boy, yeah. we've got some issues with Mr. Robinson. So I, I agree with him right now, tentatively still being in that top 30. I agree with what you had him at at about 29, but man, this is it. This is a maker. You don't normally say week two is a make or break week, but man, this is a make or break week for Allen Robinson. I mean, they're making make or break week. We were just talking about Cam Akers, you know, like, I mean, that's another guy that, who yeah. could have slipped. The yeah. whole Rams. That's offense. another guy who could have slipped into the top thirty, like Allen Robinson of RBs, you know. But like, if it's another, it's just we saw it so bad in Week One that the overreaction, underreaction is going stupid right now. But yeah, I like it. I like the ranks we put together, boys. Go ahead and use a if you if you can manage Absolutely. to uh, read the names on the screen or. Just play back some of our favorite guys, you know. Go for it, but we'll make we'll make this available to everybody for sure in more accessible format. So, all right. Well, we're gonna get into some uh, some previews of some games and some game picks I here think soon. It is about that time, my friend. So, let's do it. I'm, I'm yeah, hype. Let's move on from the fantasy rankings and head into the headliner games for this week. And this year we're rolling with, uh, you know, we like to try different shit out here at the Blitz Pod. Um, but this year we're going to try something a little different to start the year. Um, each of us, instead of, you know, all of us collectively picking the headliner games and then reading off our picks for the rest of the games for the week, um, we're going to each pick one headliner that we like for the week. And we're going to throw out some things to watch in that game. 
um, and we're each going to take kind of an expert role on one of the headliner games and throw out some things to watch. And then after that, we'll also throw out one per person, a spread alert like we did last week. So we're looking at the spreads, a spread that we really like this week. We'll throw at you and hopefully you can make some money off of that. So, all right, man. Well, you want to go first? Yeah, I can. I mean, the headliner game is yours truly, the Minnesota Vikings at the Philadelphia Eagles. In my opinion, this is the two dark horses in the NFC that could both make an NFC championship type run, maybe even a Super Bowl run. These are two teams that were hyped up a little bit in the preseason. In my opinion, I think the Vikings had a more um, standout win in week one. You know, they, they faced the Packers, Eagles faced the Lions. Um, but I, I loved everything I saw from the Vikings. I mean, we're talking about Justin Jefferson maybe being Offensive Player of the Year after 184 yards and two touchdowns. Um, but not to be slighted on the on the Philadelphia Eagles side. I mean, that offense looks like it's clicking. They've got one of the best offensive lines in football. Uh, we've talked about that enough. Running game is great. We're going to see what Jalen Hurts can do. I know that Kane has been talking about he can't. <coughs> well, let's see it. You know, AJ, AJ Brown still had 100 plus yards in his first game with the Philadelphia Eagles. I personally really like what the Vikings are doing on defense with Ed Donatel at, at the helm. Um, you've got Eric Kendricks kind of being the quarterback on that defense. And very underratedly, this defensive line for the Vikings has showed up. Zadarius Smith might be, after week one, one of the best offseason signings under one of the best underrated offseason signings wasn't really talked about when it happened he came over from the Packers to the Vikings that's subtraction by one team addition to another team uh but not only that before this guy got injured he was arguably a top five defensive end in football and that's Mr. Daniil Hunter and now that he's back and he's healthy those two are a absolutely formidable pass rushing duo Yes, there's still some concerns on, on, on in the cornerback with you know Patrick Peterson, Cam Dancer, and Andrew Booth. I still like Harrison Smith and and uh, Lewis seeing at at, uh, at safety. We'll, we'll see what they can do um, against this Eagles team. But then on the Eagles side of the ball, you know that they're going to probably put Darius Slay on Justin Jefferson. Probably going to throw some double teams on him. Probably some cloud coverage as well. So it's going to be up to Kevin O'Connell as to how can he get the ball to his star-studded receiver. I think Adam Thielen is going to have much more of an impact of the, in this game, as well as mm -hmm. Dalvin Cook. I mean, Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen were both pretty quiet in that game against the Packers. Vikings obviously won that game handily, so they didn't really need those guys. Uh, but they're going to have to show up. The other thing that makes me extremely nervous for this game is the history with Mr. Kirk Ooh. Cousins on Monday Night Football. Uh, if you haven't paid attention, Kirk Cousins is 2-9 and nine straight up and against the spread on Monday night football. But those last those two wins are in his last two Monday night games. I will say this as well. The Vikings since 2010 are 0 and 7 against the spread as an underdog on Monday night. So history does not sit well with the Vikings in this game. I think this is going to be a game that kind of dictates who is going to be that top tier dark horse when it comes to the nfc championship game it's going to be an absolutely incredible game if you got a chance monday night i know that the bills and titans are also playing but in my opinion this is the marquee game not only a monday night in my opinion i think it's the marquee game of this week you've got two one and oh teams 
two up and coming teams, two star studded wide winners. receivers. Uh, and, and it's, and it's also, you know, as a Vikings fan, we've still got bad blood from 2017 with the NFC championship game when the Vikings went up seven, nothing. And the Eagles rolled off 38 straight points to win 38 to seven. So that's still in the back of every Vikings fan mind. Um, and I've been talking some shit to my Eagles fans this week. Absolutely. Why wouldn't I? I mean, the Vikings look great after week one. I have all the confidence in the world right now. Maybe I'll come back down to earth after this week, but for right now, I'm going to talk my shit. I think this is the real deal with these Vikings. I think we found our coach. Um, and everybody wants, when I say Justin Jefferson is the best receiver in football, I always get the rebuttal of, oh, well, Cooper Cup's still better than him. Cooper Cup with Kevin O'Connell mm. was that good. Justin Jefferson is way more athletic and a better pure wide receiver than Cooper Cup is. And guess who his head coach is now? Mr. Kevin O'Connell. I think that he is the best receiver in football. I don't think I'm going to shy away from that. And I think that the Vikings are going to come out victorious in this game. I'm biased. You can call it what you want. But until this team shows flaws, I have no reason to. There's no reason not to call that a headliner game or game of the week outside of what we just saw yesterday night. I mean, this is... yeah, after week one, these are two teams that are, after week one, slated to win the division. I mean, and, and I've had, I've seen multiple people, whether it's on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it might be, ranking the Vikings in the top five, and some are ranking the Eagles in the top five. So both teams are probably consensus top 10 teams at this point in the season after week one. And this is going to be an absolute showdown. This is a, the type of game that when we get to January, we're going to look back on. And if one of these teams has a one game lead over the other, whether that be for the two or the three seed or the one or the two seed or maybe a wild card berth or whatever it might be, this is going to be that game that both fan bases are going to look back on and be like, damn, I'm glad we won that game or shit. If we had won that game, then maybe we'd be ahead or maybe we'd be in the playoffs or something of that sort. This is an absolutely crucial game at this point in the season. And I know it's only week two. But uh, this could dictate, you know, the, the rest of the season for, for whoever wins this game. In my so, opinion. I mean, it only makes sense for the other two pod members to pick on that game as well. Um, so you got Vikings. I've got Vikings. You got me fucking fired up. I'm ready to rock. <laughs> got him ready to run into battle. Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm hyped. In. Let's go. Fucking go. Mitch, who you got? Still taking, still taking oh. the Eagles, though. <sighs> Yeah, I mean the They're home field well advantage, and, and the home field advantage. The link is always a tough place to play. I mean, there's there's no shine away from that. And like I said, you know, in the back of his mind, Kirk Cousins is going to be thinking Monday night, Monday night, Monday night. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And and until we get over that hump and that hurdle, it's going to be the the talk of it's going to be. I mean, the the storyline of every Monday night football game the Vikings play. You did. He won his last two. The last one was what? That stinker against the Bears. The Bears. The worst Monday night football game I've ever seen in my life. That was horrible. Win is a win. (laughs) Win is a win. Also, the coach was Mike Zimmer. Yeah. So Mm. (laughs) that was. uh, The name that shall not be spoken. You shall not be named. Zimmer. I I will say, I think Adams has not shied away enough yet to not be considered the number one true receiver just because he has the resume right now. If Adams, I mean, if Jefferson can keep this up throughout the year, yeah, he's probably number one because you're thinking prospective. You're thinking the rest of his career. But Adams still showed up week one, and he was the number one coming into the year. Fantasy-wise, Cooper Cup, you just take him because you know you're going to get five catches no matter what out of him. 
also the, the other question that I have is if you're questing Adolfo Mensa, how long do you start thinking about this contract for Jefferson? Mm, uh, today. Drop it now before before the market. Yeah, today. Too high. I'm already drafting I mean, up Jamar Chase's contract. You take contract, the twenty dude. billion. That, like I'm already. You take the twenty million that AJ and them are making. That's a steal for Jefferson. You throw it on the table right now. Twenty-one million a year. Pretty much money is going like multiple I mean, the money is the contracts are multiplying at an unprecedented rate right now. I mean, uh, that's easy to say because obviously they always do, but like, I mean, it's like it's doubling and doubling. It's the, the market is constantly yeah, being reset, exactly. Whether it's yeah. quarterbacks, whether it's receivers, it doesn't matter what it is now more than that, ever. That, that now more than ever, it's constantly being reset. Oh, absolutely. Every Every year we're hearing. So and so is the highest paid. So and so is the highest paid. So and so is the highest paid, and that's and it's going to continue. And yeah, I, I'm with Mitch on that. You know, you you throw out. I would even say you throw out 25 mil a year right now to him and nope. say, here you go, nope. take it or leave. I mean, I'm. You just add a little more guaranteed than what AJ's got. Boom, that just throw it on the table. I mean, you take that risk if it's this kind of talent. You want to beat the curve. Just throw the guaranteed out there, give them less per year, and hope you look like bandits when you get out of this five or four years, however much they get. I was them. talking about it. Who has who? I was going to say who has the better game, Jefferson or AJ Brown? Dustin because Jefferson. I would argue that the Eagles cornerback and Eagles cornerbacks are better, and the Eagles secondary is probably. I think. I think everything's going to be diverted. Yeah, I can't bet against him. That's my problem. I, I'm not going to bet against Jay Jeff. After I, I, I'm going to feel risky and just say AJ because I took the Eagles. I feel like they're going to find that difference maker. And if they get the difference maker, it's got to be AJ Brown. The guy you just traded for and paid all that money, you are going to put it in his hands with the game on the line. And I think that the Vikings corners are not quite up to par with what the Eagles have. Patrick Peterson has the come, thing, along, come a long way down. Uh, once one of the best corners in the Cam league. Cam Dantzler is not Now that. getting sauced by Christian Watson. Yeah. Pete, I will say this as well. We talk about that, you know, NFL players are just athletes in general needing that extra edge, that extra motivation. You don't think that Justin Jefferson is thinking in the back of his mind, this is a team that passed on me. Oh, no shit, obviously. obviously. I mean, they just traded the guy they passed on him for. And, that, was gonna, and that is a great segue into my next point because Jalen Rager will have a moment in this Dude, game. I don't I'm think... you now, I don't, I don't think, think it's going to be so. a 20 or 30-yard pass or so. a big punt return. Jalen Rager will have a moment. I don't think Jalen Rager could have played for anybody except the team that Justin Jefferson is on to feel okay as a human being. Like, because if you're on every other team, you're just going to be, it's going to be the same fucking Rager Jefferson, Rager Jefferson. Like, you had to go and play with the guy, like, to avoid any more slander. Honestly, well done. Well done, Jalen Rager, for getting out of that. That's interesting. If you can't beat him, join him, bro. Fuck it. <laughs> you, you know who I, I, I will say <laughs> literally the, the the last point i'll make on this game um is the one guy i could see outside of aj brown i, I think Devonte smith will show up in this game i think he'll have four or five catches in this game but i think that dallas goddard could have a big game for the eagles the vikings historically have always been susceptible to tight ends 
Tunyon, I think, had like three catches for 55 yards or something like that last week, maybe 35 yards, can't remember. Um, but I, I really think that Goddard is going to show up in this game, and, and he could have five, six catches for 70, 80 yards, maybe a touch as well. So don't sleep on Dallas Goddard this week. If you've got him and you're debating on starting him, I absolutely would be starting I think that week. Dallas Goddard is talented enough to be a top four fantasy team. If Jalen Hurts can throw him the football in the end zone, which he hasn't done so far. That's a bold take. That's a hot top take. Top four? That is spicy. Hot, hot, hot. I thought I'd just sprinkle that in there, you know? All subtle. I mean, half of the spots are taken up between Andrews and Kelsey yeah. already. And then you got Waller. If Kittle ever yeah, plays. Waller's if iffy. You don't know about Waller. You don't know about Kittle. Pitts is probably going to be in the top four. But, I mean, battling it out for that. F- yeah. Maybe. Gerald Everett's looking uh, like it. I mean, he was put the team on his back for periods of the game last night. I, I, I will say to Kane's point, though, there's the two, two-headed monster with Kelsey and Andrews. And after that, it is kind of up for It's grabs. always been up for I mean, grabs. Kittle's injury, like you said, and, you know, Hawkinson's still there, and you've got Waller. Hawk, like, Goddard. Once you I get mean, to Hawkinson, it, it, it's it like, could. dude, Goddard could. could easily finish above Hawkinson. Where the hell do I go from here? <laughs> um, Hayden Hurst could have a sneaky year. He had a lot of catches. Hayden Hurst. Yeah, Hayden Hurst, Those top four late. tight end. You heard it here first. Um, not top, not <laughs> top five, top ten. I'm leaning to that. Um. All right. Well. But yeah, Skull Vikes. Yeah, Skull Vikes. Skull Vikes. I'm rocking with the Vikes too. Um. I'm gonna go ahead with my headliner game now, and that's gonna be we've talked about it a bunch so far, and it's gonna be the Buccaneers at the Saints in the one o'clock window. Uh, the spread for this one is Tampa Bay minus two and a half, and I have to take the Saints in this one, dude. I mean, the Saints have been, if Brady has ever had a bugaboo, besides Eli Manning, in his career, it's the New Orleans Saints now. He is one and four in his last five meetings against the Saints, and I mentioned it earlier, he put up three, yeah. Kane, he is also... Those are that's as the Bucks quarterback. He's zero and four in the regular season oh. against the Saints. The only win he got was in yeah. that playoff. Oh. And it was a close playoff game too. You know, like oh, it's terrible. Wait, how is this a one o'clock game? I know that's what I'm saying. It's there's some stinkers later on. How is I know. This- <laughs> well, I it's literally the first game that I saw. And I was like this, and then I kept scrolling, and I was like, shit. I mean, that's that's the one I want to talk about. But um, but yeah. <laughs> If anything's been Brady's bugaboo besides Eli Manning, it's the fucking Saints. Um, he's put up three or less points in two of those five meetings. Um, and Dennis Allen is the brand-new head coach in New Orleans. He had a solid week one. Eh, narrowly escaped Atlanta. But that's neither here nor there. But, I mean, the defense is what, is what has caused Tom Brady problems. And now the defensive coordinator is the head coach. So it's only going to be worse for Tom Brady. Dennis Allen is only going to be able to come up with more ways to fuck with Tom Brady on the field on Sunday. So, I I mean, I can't bet again. I mean, it's the, one of the most consistent trends in football right now is the Saints beating Tom Brady. Also, another thing to watch. One of yeah, the also... Ahead. I was going to say one of the, one of the also uh, trends in football was in week one... There were three divisional home underdogs, that, and all three of those. Let's covered. go. This week, 
This week, there are two of those instances, and that is the Saints at home against the Bucks and the Jags at home against mm. the Colts. So we'll see if that, speaking of trends, that might be a trend to watch. And I know we'll get into yeah. our spread alert picks a little later, hint, hint. But yeah. um, uh, that that bodes well for you with that Saints yeah, pick. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, also, next thing to watch in this game, we get it every year. It's the Mike Evans versus Marshawn Lattimore wide receiver cornerback matchup. It's probably now the most hyped. I mean, Jalen Ramsey versus who is the next best? Like, I don't like this is the most storied one. I feel like. I mean, just wait for Ramsey to play anybody good and then see how he matches up because he's been the best since the year they went to the AFC championship. You just anticipate him playing anybody. Stefan Diggs. (laughs) Diggs has had one game against him out of, like, five. Granted, Ramsey got cooked. He gave up a perfect passport on bro. Thursday. Good Lord. I think he looked like I think Josh toast. Allen might be more of a rival against Jalen Ramsey than fucking Stephon Diggs against Jalen Ramsey. Literally, like, fucking yeah. his helmet. Because he showed up the other game they played against him, too. Like, after he trashed Josh Allen... Ramsey Dude, I've never seen quiet. a quarterback sprint so fast to get to the other end of the field with a touchdown was scored just to scream in the defender's face. Like Josh Allen, he was like, ah! Like, and dude, 6'6", six, six, like massive Josh Allen, and Jalen Ramsey's pretty small in comparison to Josh Allen. So that may be, that made me smile. But anyway, Mike Evans, Marshawn Lattimore, one of the most storied cornerback wide receiver matchups that we got in the league right now. And it makes it even more intriguing because there will be no Chris Godwin in this game after the injury last week. So it's really going to come down to how effective Mike Evans can be against Marshawn Lattimore. Um, In the past two meetings, uh, trying to keep it more recent um, from last season, uh, on December 19th, he had 14 yards. And at the end of October, he had 48 yards and a tud. So put up a decent performance, but then put up a real stinker the last time he played him. So... That'll be interesting to watch. And then the last thing to watch in this game for me is who's going to emerge as the guy for this New Orleans offense slash receiving core. You know, like Jameis, he looked good in his debut and he looked really good to start the year last year before he tore his ACL. So Jameis Winston can provide a receiver with a really nice season, but there's a lot of options here, dude. I mean, we've been, we were just talking about it before Jarvis Landry. He had an amazing game. Seven catches, 114 yards. Michael Thomas, five catches, 57 yards, and those two tuds that we were talking about. But as I mentioned, Chris Olave, he's going to continue to be involved. He's really talented. He's a first-round wide receiver that they traded up to get. Um, he's got three ca- He had three catches, 41 yards, so not really busting through yet. But he's bound to be more involved in this offense. And Alvin Kamara, that's somebody that we didn't see – any receiving work from last week. I mean, three catches, seven yards. Psh, what the fuck, man? I mean, Kamara should be able to put up almost wide receiver-like numbers as he has done in the past. Um, we'll see if he. We'll see if he's able to do it. I mean, I. I made the com- the argument last year that Kamara was not going to be nearly the same because Drew Brees wasn't dumping it off to him all the time, and that was kind of the case. But I mean, if it's so effective, why wouldn't you do it? You know, so like. 
I think it's it's bound to happen. It's like, all right, like uh, enough on the hate on Kamara. He's got to get his catches at some point. So who's going to step up as the main pass catcher for New Orleans? That'll be something to watch. So that's my headliner game for the week. And I'm going with the Saints against the spread. Let's go, man. Spread and nice. money line, Saints. According to the trends. According to the Fuck trends. We go. You. I mean, that Evans-Lattimore matchup every year. I know we joked about it in the group chat. Are we all just going to say Mike Evans is our sit of the week because it happens year after year? Last year he got saved by a 40-yard touchdown, and that was all he did in one of the games. Lattimore just has his number. I, I like the Saints as well in this game. I think I believe I picked them in our sheet. It's just no Godwin. You're asking a lot from Julio, who's already kind of – He's already coming in with a hamstring injury. It's just early in the year. He always has hamstring injuries. And then you have Fournette as well with a hamstring injury. They are just a team of Godwin hamstring. People with hamstring injuries. They are so old, and they are already gimping into week two. This Saints team's pretty young. They don't have a great offensive line, which worries me right now. Especially uh, Trevor Penning was not great, but he had promise. And they are already putting in a backup left tackle against his front seven. I think it could be tight. I just don't trust. The Bucks secondary is pretty good, but you have a three-headed monster coming at you. I think it'll be just enough for them to squeak their way to this win. Tyler, what you think, man? We rocking with the Saints this week? Did I get you pumped up enough? No, I was I was on the Saints um, after Sunday. Uh, they squeaked out a win, and everybody's like, "Oh man, maybe the Saints aren't that good." Now they go home; they got a chance to to show what they're worth. Um, the big thing, and and this is every single game with this guy: if Jameis cannot turn the ball over or keep it to minimal turnovers, aka one, they're gonna be okay. But he's got to he's got to hold on to the ball as simple as that sounds and he's going against his former team so once again we're talking about those that that edge that players need that's an edge for Jameis Winston for sure in this game um not only that with with us as a podcast we took at the beginning of the season a division winner parlay and we all have the Saints to win the NFC South so for our parlay this would be enormous if this if the Saints could take care of business here and go in 2-0 and and be on top of the NFC South, that would look great for our pod parlay. So, yeah, I'm sticking by the Saints. I'm sticking by uh, the, the recent trend with Brady mm. struggling against his team. I still think this defense Brady is struggling really in general. Really. I, don't, I mean, I mean he's really struggled against a subpar Cowboys defense. I was about to say, how much can we take away from that Cowboys game? I mean, that, neither team – I just it was Tom Brady did not look like Tom Brady falling asleep during that game I could have fallen asleep during that game woken up and been like okay cool I missed absolutely nothing because you did I mean the only thing there was that happened was a Mike Evans pretty good touchdown and Dak Prescott's injury that's all that happened in that game so yeah I like the Saints this week I like home underdogs um I, I think that that's absolutely a viable trend to look at especially in the division especially against the quote unquote big brother here, which is the Bucks and, and is Brady. Um and you know that Superdome's gonna be absolutely rocking on Sunday at one o'clock. I mean it's gonna be electric for the home opener. Oh yeah man. All right Mitch. Hit us with it, bruh. 
All right. I got the Raiders and the Cardinals as my headliner of the week. Honestly, these teams are pretty similarly constructed. Look at Derek Carr and Kyler Murray. Different skill sets, but they're probably on par for the same level of where you tier quarterbacks. Like these guys trying to vie to be a top 10 guy. And they just don't have definitive proof to rank them in there. And then you look at their supporting cast. Both just traded a first-round pick, a little more in the Raiders' case, further number one receiver in the meantime. And then you look at the defensive end. Pretty weak secondary, handful of names. I mean, Raiders, you have Trevon Ward, Rockison, Nate Hobbs. And then on the Cardinals end, you pretty much just have Buda Baker, who's probably vying for a top-five safety spot. It, it just seems like both teams with struggling offensive lines, it's going to be a shootout because these teams are fighting to stay in the race in the two hardest divisions in the entire league, NFC and AFC West. And it's just a matter of who can claw their way back into the conversation because the Raiders had a lot of hype coming into this year. I get the Cardinals. Everybody's questioning Cliff Kingsbury and stuff, but they have a load of offensive firepower, enough for one of us to rank them as the number two offensive in the league. <laughs> but hey, I'm still on it. These teams, it, it is going to be a true defining moment of whether or not one of these teams can actually contend against playoff caliber teams. And if one of them prevails, the other one is going to look like they are going to be on the outside picture. Granted, the Cardinals have a little more leeway in the NFC because it's not as strong. But if the Raiders lose this game, they're pretty much toast. Because if J.J. Watt doesn't play, there's no reason they should not beat the Cardinals. I mean, I love that I point that Kyler you I think Kyler has a much more favorable matchup, too. Because Trent McDuffie was locking people down last week, and Hollywood was their only concern. If Ho- I think if Kyler can find that connection with Hollywood, like he did in college... It could be a very, very high-scoring game because both secondaries are so deprived. I think this if it's going to be the week uh, that Hollywood's going to... Uh, if Hollywood's going to be productive this year, he's got to play well this week. It's make or yeah, break right now. Play well it week. really is. But I And Derek Carr started the week for me because I don't trust that secondary at all. That's the truth, man. And I really like what you meant. Like, this is really two teams that are trying to push themselves into that, like, a, I wouldn't say elite category. They need to yeah, make a like playoff. a playoff lock. Like, because they're, they're close to, like, they've been close to that, the, like, these past two years. And they're just trying to push through that threshold and get there as, like, a consistent name once again. And, that, I mean, this is make or break, you know, and it's, it's weak, too. I, you'd love to see it, man. Like, shit's happening in week two, man. I love it. I love it. There's only a handful of games where things are happening, but this is one to keep your eyes on because they're definitely the guys on the outside looking in at the moment after rough week one. Yeah, and if you can't beat the other guy who's looking in, I mean, you got to look at yourself in the mirror, dude, and seriously reevaluate. So, fuck yeah. So this brings up a good this brings up a good question, especially talking about these two teams. Outside of the Cowboys, there were eight other teams that lost week one that made the playoffs last year. Which playoff team from last year that lost week one outside of the Cowboys is most likely to miss the playoffs again this year? Or to miss the playoffs this year, my bad. 
I mean, you're trying to bait us into the Titans, I feel like. So a team that made the playoffs <laughs> well, the Titans last won. year that's going to not make the playoffs this year? And, yeah. and lost week one. And oh, lost week, week one. Because 18th mess. So oh. that would be the Cardinals lost week one. The Raiders Bengals. lost week one. The Bengals lost week one. The not Rams including the Cowboys in this. One. Cardinals, Rams. the Cardinals Rams lost Cardinals. week one. I the think Rams the Rams have a serious one. shot. I like. Okay, I that's know. hot. That is hot. I, that defense is a <laughs> serious feel... liability. A serious liability. Like now, your calling card. Your calling card. Jalen Ramsey. Your calling card. Like, oh, at least we have Jalen Ramsey. He looks like a fucking idiot against Stephon Diggs, dude. Like, I mean, if you can't have your calling card player playing well, you're f- like, there's uh, Aaron Donald. I know Aaron Donald exists. He's a football player, one of the best yeah. of all time. Uh, but, dude, I mean, besides, you got a couple of names, and we've been saying that about the Rams defense since last year. But I, I feel like Jalen Ramsey, after week one, he might be on the downslope of his career now. You know, like corners don't really stay super effective at the le- like the running yeah. backs i just worry though because they were putting him in the slot a lot jalen ramsey is not a slot corner he is way too big to be dealing with shifty moves like that he needs to be on the outside but so there's one team that i didn't mention that i think is the obvious choice to miss the playoffs that lost week one and i'm waiting for you guys to figure it out awesome Lost week one. Okay, I'm trying to think of everybody that made the playoffs. Yeah, who's week? Who's the six seed? Do 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 Oh, the Pats. There it is. I think the Patriots are slam dunk to miss the playoffs this year. Motherfucker. It's a three-way race between the wild cards. I think the Steelers, Raiders, and Pats are all fighting for it, and two of them play each other this week. Let's go! Shit's happening here, week because two. Without yeah, TJ Watt, <coughs> without TJ Watt for the next like two months, pretty much, that's gonna be make or break. If they See, can't beat I the Patriots, I disagree. They Mitch, don't deserve it. Mitch, I, I I disagree. I think that the 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 teams you, you got the Bills, you got the Chiefs. I'll say them for right now. Bills, Chiefs, Colts, and we'll throw the Ravens. Then you still got the Bengals. You've got the Chargers. You've got the Dolphins. You've got the Broncos. You've got the Titans. You've got the Raiders. Uh, that's one of the teams that you Raiders. mentioned. You've got the Browns in there. It is absolutely loaded. I don't see any fucking way the Patriots make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I can't disagree with that right now. Jeez. It's definitely been a hot take of me and Jaden's that they're gonna suck MVP Mac Jones can't lead this <laughs> well, team I think, to I the think it's, land? it's not hot anymore. Like we hot no Mac Jones early and it's not hot now. <laughs> I'm not, I, and, and I won't blame this on Mac Jones. I'll blame it on the offensive play calling. I'll blame it on the weapons that he has. I'll blame it on his offensive line. I mean, he's got nothing to work with. This team has yeah. nothing. It is a you know bad what it is. Team. You know what it is. And it's anybody, dismal. Anybody drink. They have a good offensive line. That's it's dismal. It. Drink. It is dismal. They have and a you know great what? offensive line and nothing else. I, I, I agree with Jaden's hot take at the beginning of the year. Not only that will they miss the playoffs, I think Belichick might retire. The more and more this season goes on, the more and more I think it could he's become true. Up with this. It, it's, he's too old to be diving into a whole n- new thing. He's just not good. Yeah. It, 
he's trying these yeah. new strategies against guys that are believing in analytics. And I'm not the biggest analytic guy, but at some point in time, you have to take analytics into consideration. And he just doesn't. He tries to do it the old school way. 10, 15 years ago, sure, that was working. Nowadays, absolutely not. Not against these high-powered offenses. Different league, man. All right. Let's uh let's run through these spread alerts real quick. Um, if we can, try to keep them as short as possible. Uh, but yeah, I'll go ahead and uh I'll go ahead and rattle off mine first. And you mentioned earlier, Tyler, it is Colts at the Jags and the spreads. Indy minus three and do 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 do. We really need to get a sound for that. Uh, maybe I'll just come up with something on my phone that I'll just put up to my microphone. <laughs> I think what you just did yeah. was hot. Yeah. Um, I'm taking. Or or we can do the. <laughs> I need to get a soundboard. <laughs> Once we get a sponsor, I'm getting the soundboard. That's the first thing I'm. Doing. Uh, but yeah, I like the spread. Uh, Indy minus three. I know. It's not looking good in Indy right now with the injury report. Shaq Leonard's out this week. Alec Pierce is out this week. Michael Pittman's questionable. Oh, no. We're going to lose to the fucking Jags in Jacksonville again. I don't think, as men, this team could let that happen again. Like, I couldn't imagine a game to be more motivated for. Like, you you were a walk. This is a right, you were season. walking into the playoffs last year, and you were like, all we had to do is make it through Jacksonville. And you watched it on Hard Knocks. They were half-assing it all week. And, like, De- DeForest Buckner was like, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to play. Like, I'm kind of feeling off. Like he, w- But he wasn't legit, like, hurt. And there was all this shit, and then they go out and lose. Like, they that was the most ultimate life lesson that you can ever learn. So, I don't... It was yep, dismal. Yep. Take a drink. Yeah. Right. If you're still pre-gaming to go to the bar, you're a little <laughs> late right now. You're going to have a hell of a night, dude. <laughs> you got a re- really nice start. <laughs> um, But yeah, I mean, if I don't think they could let their pride be damaged like that again. I don't like they will do everything in their power to win this game and beat the shit out of them. Also, on a more uh, actual football level. Instead of just the mental level, Frank Reich learned his lesson, dude. Like, he is going to feed Jonathan Taylor the ball this game. Like, that's something they didn't do against Jacksonville last time. It was the big question mark after the game. Fucking Jonathan Taylor's having this great season, but then you go up to Jacksonville, barely give him the ball. Um, Frank Reich does not want to hear that again, or he will probably be fired at the season. And so, Reich learned his lesson. JT's going to get the ball, and... The Colts are going to cover the spread against the I know I said keep it short. Now, but that I will was not say fair. this. I, I will throw a little <sighs> betting nugget out to you in regards to this game. One betting nugget that goes well with you and one betting nugget that does not go well with you. I'll start with the bad one first. The Jags are 12-1-1 against the spread the last 14 times against the Colts. However... They are sick. The Jags are six and 14 against the spread the last 20 times as an underdog. So they're not very good as an underdog, except for when they play the Colts. So a whole new system, whole new team. Dougie P's the head coach there. So it's like a fresh start. You know, you could restart the series record if you'd like, <laughs> if you fancy that. I mean, I'm hoping for ETN to cover that game on his own, put it on his <laughs> back. All right, Tyler. <laughs> Give, a, give us your spread alert, my dog. 
Yeah, I originally, you know, when I was talking to you guys about this, I really liked the Ravens minus three and a half. The the reason why I liked the Ravens, and this is not my pick, this is my second second best pick. But the reason why I liked the Ravens was because why is that line only three and a half? Why is that line not six? Why or if if people were looking at it as oh the Dolphins have a chance, why has that line not gone down to three? So there has been no movement on that line, which is very weary as to why that has happened. Um, but here's what I'm, I'm going to go with. I am going with the team that the Minnesota Vikings just beat, and that would be the Green Bay Packers. It is a huge spread of 10 points, but here's a great little betting nugget for you. Green Bay is 9-0 outright and against the spread after a loss under Matt LaFleur. Mm. And the Bears are three and twelve against the spread the last fifteen games against the NFC North. The Packers just do it to the Bears every time. Aaron Rodgers is their daddy. Like there's no way to put it lightly. The man just absolutely destroys the Bears. This is the game where the Packers turn it all around. This is the game where the Packers defense keeps the Bears two single digits. I could see the Bears getting two field goals in this game, to be quite frank. Um, I think the, the Packers will win this game. We'll call it 27 to six, um, but I think they're going to absolutely steamroll this Bears team. I'm not sold on this Bears team. Like we said with the 49ers and we were talking about them and, oh, is there reason to worry? Take that game in the monsoon, throw it out the window. You can't take anything away from that game, and that includes the Bears win. I don't take anything away from what the Bears did that that game. And with that being said, the Packers, they're the talk of football right now, one of the talks of football for how poorly they played. And I think that they're going to absolutely show up um, at Lambeau on Sunday night against the Bears team that struggles against every single team in the NFC North. And we know what the the Packers do when they lose under the floor and they come out firing the next week. So um, I'm going with the history there, 9-0 against the spread uh, and straight up after loss under the floor. Um, so give me Packers minus 10. It. So how about that Ravens-Dolphins game? <laughs> how about it, Mitch? <laughs> last second switcheroo. I mean, we haven't made last, a graphic well, yet. It, it wasn't a last second switcheroo. It was it was something I've been pondering a lot. And then as I've the seen the statistics come off. out, that that too, the injury report. I will say betting nugget with that. The Ravens are nine and one against the spread, their last ten against the Dolphins. So it does bode well if you're the Ravens. However, in the last ten games, the Dolphins are eight and two against the spread. So both teams are doing really well in the betting category. Dolphins had their number um, last so year. I, I kind of wanted to. Dolphins just... had their number last year too. Yeah, they yeah, beat they... them last year. That was probably the one loss. Yeah, they were. They were. Um, Ravens were seven point favorite on a short week Thursday night. Probably could have seen that coming. Um, and and the Dolphins caught him sleeping and, and, and won that game. Um, but that's kind of the reason why I want to stay away from that game. And also, really quickly, we're giving out our picks on here. There will be a TikTok coming out this weekend displaying all of our picks, and there's going to be a nice little intro involved into it. Um, but, you know, we're, we're going to reintroduce ourselves on TikTok. Oh, no. Roll credits, man. <laughs> Roll credits. Fuck Fire. yeah. All right, Mitch, hit us with your spread, dude. My spread alert, I am taking Cincy minus seven. I know it's minus seven, but um, it's fucking Cooper Rush. Do I have to say anything else? It's fucking Cooper Rush. There's no reason it's they shouldn't win by more than a hard. touchdown. <laughs> there is no reason that I Burrow had five turnovers last week, and they still should have won a game against one of the better teams in the league. There's no reason they shouldn't win by more than a touchdown in this game. There we go. Betting nugget for that game, 
Cowboys are four and one in their last five in games that Dak did not start. Wow. Wow. Damn. That's fucking insane. That's insane. Hard to believe. Dude, Dak looks so bad. I mean, we we already talked about it, but also one of their so bad. Two two other uh, little little betting nuggets um, that I that I did notice the Texans, they're under in the last fifteen games is eleven and four on the road. Um, that's something to keep in mind as they're going to Denver this weekend. And here's a crazy one: the Cardinals have won six straight road games outright as an underdog, which is one shy of the record. Wow, Cliff. In Let's Vegas. go, Cliff. Fucking keeping an eye on the books, dude. <laughs> Let's go. But fuck yeah, I mean that gives you. He's solely betting with on that. Team. With all the betting information <laughs> we've gotten in in today's pod, and with the TikTok coming out, dude, I feel fucking great. I mean, we're giving out some solid picks. I mean, come on now. Oh wait, good yeah, insight. Dude. I just realized the lock of the week. Call of Duty's coming out this week. <laughs> the Cardinals are toast. <laughs> Yeah, Call of Duty, I think, came out last night. You take the money line night. on the Raiders and run with it. Yeah. <laughs> Call of Duty came out last night, and I think that it's available until Sunday morning. So Kyler's got to get his sessions in probably tonight. Kyler is probably on right now yeah. playing Lock Call of, of Duty, week. if you can imagine. Lock of yeah. week. We're live streaming, uh, talking about him hopefully playing a good game, and uh, he's streaming, live streaming Call of Duty. You know, guy actually playing in the game, but we're actually talking about the game. Interesting. <laughs> Hey, he might be on That's Twitch what I'm saying. right now. Can we, That's what can I'm we saying. do that with him and, uh, and and get him on here real quick? <laughs> all right. With that. Oh, all right. That's one That's one last drink before we sign off. Uh, but, yeah, that does it for our Thursday night football recap and our week two preview. Uh, it was a good one, man. It was a good one. Recap the game from Thursday. Threw out some headliners. Threw out some spread alerts for you and gave you gave you our uh, fantasy rankings for this week. So, solid pod episode. Should be plenty of info to get you ready to throw some money down on week two. Um, or if that's not your thing, just fucking enjoy dudes hitting the hell out of each other on a Sunday afternoon. That's what I usually do. So, with that, Tyler, Mitch, and Kane signing off. We'll catch you guys next week. Enjoy some football.